It's fine. I got a good one. Okay. And then uh, I think I got something else. All right. So we're ready whenever you are, sir. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Episode 46. 46. It's pretty awesome. Do you have any funny riddles for the number 46 at all? Anything? Uh, no. He, I got nothing. Normally, this, normally, that's your department. I got nothing this week. No, I got I got nothing. There currently is not a Browns player with a number 46, so I don't know. I can't think of any Steelers player. See, 46 would be uh, like a fullback, fullback or yeah. a long snapper. It's probably yeah, where number definitely. 46. Definitely. Maybe a linebacker, like a like an end-of-the-rotation practice. The squad linebacker that got promoted for a week, <laughs> but beyond that, there's not a lot of number 46s out there. It's not a popular number. Bud Dupree was 48. Okay, yeah, that's, 46. That's, but that's, that's not 46. If you were to line up NFL players' preferences based on position number groupings, I can guarantee you 46 is probably the last number that probably. anybody would pick. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever. That's probably the least desirable number in football. I can't even think of anybody with the number. 46. I can't either. I can't either. That's Anyways, funny. so episode number 46. Episode number 46. We did have a good week, and before we get into our news. Stories. I have an announcement for all you listeners. Oh, shit. And you may have seen this on the Facebook page already. We are on Amazon Music now. Amazon Music emailed us no and shit. said, hey, we want your show <laughs> on our platform. So I texted you about that immediately when I got the email. I was like, hey, we got this deal in the works. We sat down on the negotiating table. We worked. Their people got in touch with our people. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say whether or not Bezos and I sat down, but I can neither confirm or deny rumors that that summit happened. And after a little bit of back and forth, we came to some, uh, some, somewhat of a contract. Sure. We hammered it down, and we are now on Amazon Music. That's pretty. It's so, pretty intense, man. It's pretty I, awesome, though. I do think that has helped our listenership. That's helped our outreach a little bit. Definitely. There are definitely people that will use that platform yeah. over Spotify, which is interesting. Well, Amazon platform is by far the biggest. Yes, like, I believe huge. so. It's a huge platform. They have, they have the most subscribers. And it was funny that they came and they talked to us because we didn't have to email them. They came right to us. Right. I never interacted with them before. So it's pretty. It's pretty incredible. Somehow the word's getting out there. Somehow. So you can check us out on Amazon Music now. And we don't really have a loyalty to any particular preference, but we're happy to be on there. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Amazon, for uh, letting us come on. Anyways, are we ready for some news today, Ben? Do you have any good news this week? Yeah, I got a news story. Okay. This is from BBC News. Our favorite. New species of ancient four-legged whale discovered in Egypt. Four-legged whale? Yeah, crazy, huh? Okay. Scientists in Egypt have identified a new species of four-legged whale that lived around 43 million years ago. A four-legged whale that lived 43 million years ago. And where was this again? Egypt. Egypt, okay. The fossil of the amphibious Phyomycetus anubis. I don't know if I got that right, but <laughs> if I don't... We just add 30 in the and correct my spelling errors. Yes, or Facebook. The skull resembles that of Anubis, the ancient Egyptian jackal-headed god of the dead, after which it was named. The ancestors of modern whales developed from a deer-like mammals that lived on land over the course of 10 million years. I didn't know that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, because whales are mammals. That makes sense. It does make a little bit of sense. Yeah, sure. It is kind of cool. Weighing in an estimated 600 kilograms and 3 meters in length, or around 10 feet, the Pheomycetus anubis had strong jaws to catch prey, according to the study published by the Proceedings of the Royal Society B on Wednesday. The whale was able to walk on land and swim in water. Partial skeleton was found in Egypt's Phaeum depression and analyzed by scientists at 
Mansoura University. Although the area is now desert, it was once covered by sea and is a rich source of fossils. So that's pretty cool. I can't remember the years you said, but that's impressive. Uh, it didn't really... Uh, 43 million 43 years ago. 43 million years ago. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, and the, the full articles on BBC, we'll probably be posting that up on Facebook. Definitely. And it's funny that you brought up a archaeology news story this week because I've got one as well, and you're going to like this one. This Are you done with that? Yep. This one comes from CNET.com, C-N-E-T, and the article was written by a woman named Leslie Katz, and this was published on August 25th, 2021. So I'm just kind of citing it because I'm going to be reading pretty much word for word from this one. Sure. Police raid unearths prehistoric flying reptile in remarkable condition. Stunning specimen found in Brazil is opening a window onto pterosaur predilications going back 115 million years. Do you have this one? That's pretty crazy. No, but I saw that on Facebook and I saved it and I meant to bring it up for the episode, <laughs> but I forgot about it. I figured it. this one was right up your alley. <laughs> a fossil discovered during a police raid in Brazil has turned out to be one of the best preserved flying reptiles found yet, researchers say. The remains belong to a tapajarid, a toothless pterosaur from the early Cretaceous period known for its huge cranial crest composed partly of bone and partly of soft tissue. Hmm. Scales and partial skeletons of Brazil tapajarids have turned up before, but this fossil was found with more than 90% of its skeleton intact, along with some soft tissue in place around its bones. Damn. This fossil specimen is special because it is most it is the most complete pterosaur from Brazil. And it brings new information about the anatomy and ecology of this animal, says Victor Bakari, co-author of a study on the find published Wednesday in the open access journal PLOS Online. The fossil belongs to the species Tupandactylus navigans, and Bakari began studying it in 2016 while a biological science while a biological science undergrad at the University of Sao Paulo. That's pretty. So crazy. that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So this is a prehistoric flying reptile and obviously pterosaur is spelled p-t-a-r p-t-e-r-o-s-a-u-r it's so mm. like a pterodactyl or anything like that sure the flying reptile so how old is this thing 115 million years is the estimation jesus this would have been in the cretaceous period so that's pretty cool that's insane obviously they keep finding stuff and this was found during a police raid of all things <laughs> so that's pretty funny yeah, that's funny i don't really have much more to add to that I saw that's a really cool story. one 115 million years wow yeah it's just it's just always mind-boggling to me when they, they find these things and they they can just like how do we know if that's accurate like how do we even know like I know they got their their, their, their tests dating, and their carbon testing. dating testing but it's like well, there's probably just a lot of comparison to other things like that's unfathomable 115 million years ago and the other thing too is that the people that have the knowledge to actually analyze that is such a small group sure that is very tough to keep that in check yeah because obviously if you're digging for old stuff the people that do that are anthropologists and yeah uh, paleontologists and geologists that's really I can't really come up with another academic group that would be doing that type of thing and those sciences intersect quite a bit sure so it is interesting it's very cool they're all very critical of each other too. yeah but I figured you were gonna like that episode because yeah. you always or that story rather because you always have that right that type of information so yeah, that was a good one man anyways what else do you got I have like a fact thing here I don't I hope I didn't bring this up on the previous episode oh boy because I say go. when I see these I save a lot of them and I can never remember if I even use them or not but uh, this is from the mind-blowing facts thing I uh, follow on Facebook Violet Jessup. Did I tell you this story? I don't think so. Violet Jessup. She was a ship nurse. She served on each of the three sisters, Titanic, Britannic, and Olympic. While she was on board the Olympic, collided with, the Olympic collided with a warship and nearly sank. The Titanic hit an iceberg and sank, and the Britannic hit an underwater mine and sank. Violet survived all 
three shipwrecks. Yeah, you know, I almost brought her up on one of our episodes. I Isn't can't remember which crazy? one it was, but yeah, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I also saw a conspiracy theory that, that the Titanic didn't actually sink. Yeah, I, I've seen those too. That it was all a conspiracy theory, so that's pretty interesting. Well, there is a theory that the Titanic was actually a different ship. Yeah. It started with a T, a different one, right? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But there's also the book that was written like 20 years prior about the, the Titan, the ship, the unsinkable ship that sank. Yeah, it basically, that was basically told the, the same Titanic. <laughs> 20 years before the Titanic actually sank. Yeah, that's crazy. What are the chances of that? Unreal. Anyways, is that all you got for that interesting fact? I have one more fact. It's quick. Okay. If you want to. If you, but you can get into uh, another I'll tell you, I'll do a news story, then I'll, then sure. I'll jump into your fact. Because this sure. news story is going to bring us back to episode 37 of our show. Okay. Which is assassinations. Okay, nice. And my source for this article is going to come from people.com. But you could have found this one anywhere. And if you guys live, listen to that episode number 37, we talked about the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy, who was JFK's younger brother, former attorney general. Senator out of Massachusetts, I want to say. I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't remember. I didn't write it down either. But he got assassinated in 1968 during the presidential campaign, during the primaries. Everybody, he probably would have been president. Definitely. He died at the hands of Sirhan Sirhan, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And Sirhan Sirhan was a 24-year-old Palestinian who was convicted as the gunman, basically the lone gunman in the entire thing, even though he probably wasn't the lone gunman in the entire thing. Anyways, Sirhan Sirhan has been in prison for 53 years. Damn. For these crimes. He was 24 at the time. He's 77 today. And my headline reads, Sirhan Sirhan in disbelief over being granted parole 53 years after RFK assassination, says lawyer. 53 years ago, he committed this assassination, one of the biggest political assassinations in United States history. Right. One of the biggest ones that didn't involve a president, I guess. Sure. Right. 100%. Maybe MLK, but. Um, Yes. Well, that's that's probably the fifth one. This one's probably the sixth one. Probably. I think this happened in the same year year 68 i think so yeah i think you might be right i think so i don't know that off the top of my head but anyways sirhan sirhan is out it's gonna be out now there's a there's are still a few heaps he needs to jump through but um apparently two of robert f kennedy's sons came out in support of granting sirhan sirhan parole robert f kennedy jr came out in support of this and douglas kennedy also came out in support of sirhan sirhan coming out damn it looks like he has eight kids total that are still alive and six of them are upset about this but at least two of the sons came out in support of him and robert f kennedy jr even met with him back in 2017 no shit and spent three hours with him and i guess sirhan sirhan's confession seemed sincere and you know they had like an emotional moment about the whole thing because these are as these would have been little kids back then right and apparently according to california law parole has to be granted to somebody if they're not perceived to be a threat to the public right so that is a term by which the two-person parole board granted sirhan sirhan parole after 53 years now it's ridiculous to think about like a high profile assassin getting let out yeah but if you think about it john hinckley lives free these days for the most part yeah and he almost killed reagan true so he's out i guess it's not unprecedented but he's 77 years old now so he went away as a 24 year old in 1968 hasn't lived a day free since then and as long as it's like what do you what do you do like he he's missed so much exactly it's 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 mind you can't you can't think about it because there are so few people in the history of humanity that have been presented 
presented with the situation. Right. But as long as Gavin Newsom stamps the approval, which he's about to get recalled anyways <laughs> in California, but right. as long as he stamps the approval within the deadline, I guess he's got like a, the, the, basically the way it works is that the two person review board approves the parole and then gets sent to a review committee, a parole review committee who has to review the case and then send a recommendation to the governor and the governor makes the final decision supposedly mm-hmm. whether to approve deny or modify the terms of the parole so i guess he's still got serhan serhan still has a few hoops to jump through but given right. california's situation right now sure they're probably gonna let him out probably what's really interesting about this is he qualifies for two separate parole programs he is going to qualify for the youth offender parole because he committed his crime under the age of 26 okay so there are special terms for a youth offender which he he's a youth offender <laughs> even though he's 77 years old right and he also qualified for the elderly parole program which if you're over the age of 15 you've served at least 20 years you qualify for a separate different parole program so he qualified for both of them so which one is he gonna do i think he gets both i think he gets the terms of both oh, shit. based on the way that the, this article was presented and honestly like in my opinion i don't think he acted alone i feel like he may have been involved he was definitely shooting a gun sure. i mean i i would have a hard time arguing that he wasn't shooting a gun but there was no way that he was the only person in this one and weren't there multiple shots like- there were multiple shots there's his security guard fired his gun even though the official record says that jfk security guard didn't fire a gun witnesses and ballistics makes it look like he fired the gun sure the ballistics analysis also makes it look like sirhan sirhan never could have gotten close enough to deal with a fatal blow to kennedy given what the ballistics analysis on the the bullet wound hmm. showed they should have had to have been point blank and witnesses said sirhan sirhan never got close enough to fire a point blank round right that's crazy so that's what makes it questionable and there's like he went back and forth about whether he did it whether he didn't do it i think he was involved i think he was probably a low level involved he's he's a perfect perfect patsy right so anyways that, that sucks if it, if he if he's not really guilty and he spent all that time now he's got to yeah. readapt to society after 50 i mean years. talk about throwing your life away but yeah no shit according to him back then he thought he was going to get paid a whole lot of money for carrying out the act which anybody 1968 there wasn't any way to really reference information so somebody came to you with a promise of money maybe a little bit of money up front and says hey you got to do this we're gonna right. make you really rich. A Palestinian who's got no clue what's going on, anyways. Yeah, might jump on that. You know what I mean? Easy, easy prey. Yeah. So, anyways, he might be out. I have mixed feelings on it. So, obviously, I think J or RFK would have been a probably a decent, decent president. Probably. Anyways, that's that story. It's pretty interesting, and that just happened. That's this really week. interesting. That just yeah. happened this week. So, anyways. that's ridiculous. So, do you have one more uh, fact? Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. In 2007, a twin brother was born at 1.32 a.m. Then daylight saving time came into effect, and his twin sister was born at 1.06 a.m. She is considered 26 minutes older, even though she was born after him. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> what do you do? Like, what do you... I think technically the brother's still older. Obviously. Technically. Technically. That's but... probably the only time that could have ever happened in ever. the history of anything. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that crazy? I so thought that, that was crazy. That had to have been the fallback daylight savings then. Yeah. Oh, yep. my God. I don't know what to say to that. That's hilarious. That's so funny. But legally speaking... Legally, she's older, right? Based on the... I don't know. How do you do that? How do you do that? Like, if, if say, say like, something serious happened where the time of day mattered, because that happens a lot in criminal cases and whatnot. Yeah. If that happens on leap day... Yeah, no you shit. You got two one o'clocks. Right. I don't know. That would... Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know how they deal with that in, in court and, and shit like that. Unless right? you you know they got that they got that weird like that standard time that doesn't change sure i bet you that's how they go probably anyways it's kind of that's funny crazy. though it's funny yeah 
Uh, do you have any more news? I got one more, and this one is convoluted as fuck. Like sure. I almost didn't want to do this one, but anyways, my third news story comes from Wink News, which I have not heard of before mm, today. Never. I thought it was Wiki News when I was first reading it, <laughs> but it was actually Wink News. Okay. And this one comes out of Naples, Italy, which I think we've been there before on the show. I feel like we have. Probably. I think we have. And this article reads, Dangerous seawalls? Question mark. Naples sues property owner. Turns out city owns them. So let me frame this up real quick. In the city of Naples, it's a coastal city. Yeah. On the coast, they've got these things called seawalls, which are part of the city's infrastructure. They're these big walls, basically, to block the tide, for sure. lack of a better term. So they're part of the, like the foundation of the city, even though the tide comes in and out and the water. It depends on where the water is going to line up against these seawalls. So these seawalls have been up for a while now. And I guess where they're located on most of these properties, you've got like private property, then a road, or then like sidewalks and roads, and then seawalls, and then the, the water or the beach or whatever is mm-hmm. over there. There has been a long-standing dispute as to who owns the seawalls. For whatever reason. So what happened, this started back in 2013. There's The seawall started to come into a state of disrepair, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a, ridic- this is a, it's <laughs> yeah. a ridiculous news story. But the seawall started to come into a state of disrepair. And the city was looking at them. They were like, something has to be done about this. What can we do? Right. So this has been a problem for a while now. And this Wink News is like the, the news agency that broke this entire story. So Wink News sent a reporter out. Her name was Sarah something, an investigative reporter, to talk to citizens, to try to gauge the public opinion as the who owns the seawalls so some people that she interviewed were like those are clearly part of the city's infrastructure right those have to be owned by the city other people are like no you know that looks like private property to me for whatever reason <laughs> another per- another person claimed that they knew for sure that they were actually owned by a homeowners association <laughs> <laughs> anyways, All right. anyways so there's varying opinions as to who owns these seawalls <sighs> But it's they're they're falling apart and somebody has to pay for them. Right. So the city launched an investigation as the who owns the seawalls because they didn't have records to prove any of this. After they launched their investigation, they determined that the city definitely didn't own them, which means that the private people have to own them. So are these seawalls in like people's backyards? Are no, they they're in front. Like, they're, they're in front? front of their property. Okay. Which like... is the problem. And some of them are you got the house, you got the road, you got the okay. sidewalks, and then you got the seawall. Okay. That's what I so. That's it's like, picture. and the city has been maintaining the roads, has been maintaining the sidewalks, but hasn't been doing anything with the seawall. Now, these walls are extensive. They cover, like, the entire, like, the coastal area of the city. Yeah, sure. They cover everything. So, the city determined that, well, we don't own the walls. And they also had some guy out there, and he estimated that it's going to take $7.3 million <laughs> worth to fix the walls. Jesus. So the city was like, we've got a problem. These walls are falling apart. And they determined, they didn't determine it based on the guy's recommendation. They were like, well, if we had to fix all of them, what would it be? And the, the guy came back with $7.3 million to fix all of them. Okay. This is ridiculous. The city of Naples needs to get their shit together. So we need to remember that, that $7.3 million figure for all of them. Because the city decided to file lawsuits against four of the property owners that were would have owned the majority of the wall, according to their thing. Okay. They filed lawsuit against four of these owners, demanding that they pay for the repairs of the walls because they're falling into disrepair. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be fixed. Oh my so God. these landowners, and it was like, it wasn't usually individual people like like a country club or whatever, but they were pissed off. They were like, yeah. we <laughs> we have never had to repair these things. It's never been part of our property before. Right. So they filed a countersuit claiming that the city's lawsuit was frivolous. So it kind of went back and forth for a while. Meanwhile, the city kept on hiring experts to determine like the zoning. And every time a city ex- the city hired an expert, the expert came back and said, oh, well, the citizens actually own the walls. And obviously the city hired 
expert to determine the problem is going to say that the citizens exactly. own the walls. So they, they ended up, the property owners ended up coalescing and they were able to sue the city back in return. They got an independent arbiter to come okay. out. And after reviewing the case, the independent arbiter determined that the city actually owns the walls. Wink News was in the mix during all of this. <laughs> and they determined, they found the, one of the engineers that the city hired as an expert. Because they kept on hiring all these experts. Sure. The engineer's report prior to the lawsuit said that only one part of the wall actually needed to be repaired. <laughs> and the rest of them needed to, the rest of them were fine. So many things up in the air with this, with this. <laughs> With this case, man. And then when they looked back at the records as to whether or not the city owned it, it all went back to like one former mayor who declared basically that way back when there was a deal made and then the walls were clearly excluded based on no evidence. So this one mayor, former screwed, mayor, screwed everything up. Was the guy that declared the city doesn't have any responsibility for this? Probably just defending one of his friends or a family Probably. member or somebody. So that's how the whole thing kind of got out of control. This is ridiculous. So this engineer came out and said, in reality, only this one small part of the wall actually needs to be repair the rest of it's fine the city still sued for the full 7.3 million dollars <laughs> and oh then oh my gosh the arbiter ended up determining that the city does in fact own the walls which if it's part of that infrastructure and they've been maintaining the sidewalks and the roads attached to the yeah, walls for years part of it. It, you're stuck with it i'm sorry the city's stuck with it sure and how is a private citizen responsible for a seawall so the whole thing basically boils down to the city made up a problem, determined that the private pri the private citizens were responsible for the problem, sued them for the cost of the problem while overcharging for the entire thing. Yeah, unreal. and then they ended up kind of getting busted for it. Sure. And this took until May of twenty one, so this is an eight year affair. My word. And the arbitrator determined that the city owns the walls, and then by this point, the city was under new management. They had a new mayor, a new city manager, and everything, and everything was quickly settled after that. So within the eight years of them trying to decide who to fix these walls how many walls were damaged in those eight years? i don't know i didn't get into that i'm sure more right. sections of the wall needed it after that after that point but this this has to be the crowning achievement of wink news i've never heard of them before yeah, but no this shit. is their big piece this of investigative their... journalism it's hilarious anyways i'm sorry that was the stupidest news story i'm probably ever <laughs> gonna cover you, thank you to wink news for <laughs> <But> bringing that <laughs> anyways that's all i got for that so that's funny that was a good one that one might be getting completely cut from the show <laughs> Anyways, Pat, where are we at? What's our uh, what's our main topic for the day? Well, Ben, this is your is episode. It? I hope not. By your definition. Uh, and I'm going to be stretching the limits of our main topic today. But Me too. Our main topic <laughs> is supposedly going to be clever crimes. <laughs> and smartest criminals. And smartest criminals. Just like, you know, I only have two and... I caught a glimpse on the one of the back of your papers, and we have the same God person, damn unfortunately. It. We might have the same everything, hopefully not. Shit. <laughs> okay, well, you said you got two. I've got three. Okay, and you, you, you can start with one. Obviously, you know me. I got to frame it up. Before we get into the discussion. Sure. So I was thinking back because this ended up being a hard topic to research for me. Yeah, it was. And I was thinking back to kind of like our heist episode, which I thought was a good episode. Those guys were some of the smartest criminals. Yeah, no doubt. Like on the diamond heist, nobody really got caught. Right. Those mole guys didn't really get caught. <laughs> uh, I think your basil guy never got caught in your one story. I don't think so. So those are the smartest criminals as far as I'm concerned. Because people, sure. people that didn't get caught are always yeah. going to be the smartest criminals. Definitely. And the real smartest criminals are the people that commit crimes that nobody even recognizes are crimes. Or nobody even recognizes that a crime is being committed. Right. Like you could have a hacker hack into a like a data server. Like for a lot, for example, a lot of data servers, they round up and down on like pennies. Right. But you can, you can program like a code in 
where if you're rounding up and down, they round up, but they pocket it. Right. It's crazy. That's what, that's that the shit. premise of the movie Office Space. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm. They pull off a con like that. Really basically. good. Yeah, it's a cool movie. Oh, yeah. It's a, com- it's a comedy, but they pull off a con like that. But. Nice. So the smartest criminals never get caught. So these guys that we're talking about are probably aren't the smartest, smartest. But they're still clever, at least. Sure. And I'm going to get into my first one. And this one, this stretches the lines of clever criminals because this is this guy's clever, but it's more of a, a ridiculous scheme, basically, <laughs> that I found amusing. Sure. So this one happened in 2002 and was perpetrated by a con man named Nick Russian. Okay. Is this one that you have? Mm-mm. Nope. And I'm saying that he's a clever criminal because he managed to get dozens of people to go along with this entire scheme. And this is entitled The Great Reality TV Swindle. So in 2002, Nick Russian, which is a ridiculous name, ridiculous and name. It, it spelled Russian as if he was a Russian person. Right. And that confused the hell out of me because I was reading this article. I didn't realize that was his name right away. <laughs> Anyways, he hatched a scheme to fake a reality TV series in the UK. He was an excellent con artist and he managed to basically fabricate the persona of a TV producer. So you know how you dress up and you act sure. like you ever see those like on TV, the TV producers. Yeah. They're always over the top personalities. He managed to fabricate that persona really well. And he started running ads like in local periodicals and like entertainment magazines yeah. for a brand new UK based reality TV series. That promised to pay the winner a hundred thousand pounds. A lot of money. So he ran these ads and he got over a thousand responses. A thousand people wanted to jump in on the TV show in London and or then basically the greater London area. So he had over a thousand applications. He then ended up whittling the group down to thirty. So he was running like actual like interviews with these people and <laughs> applications and shit. Right. He ended up with his group of thirty people that he wanted to have on the show. Now what's ridiculous about the show is it was gonna take a year to produce. So meaning these people were gonna be out of whatever they were doing for a year. They're gonna have one full year dedicated to producing this TV show. The second thing is while it only promised $100,000 to the winner, the goal was to earn a million dollars in one year. And basically that sounds like that's in, that's the entire plot was he was going to drop <laughs> these people in London, go figure out a way to make a million dollars. That's hilarious. If you get there, I'm going to give you 100,000 or 100,000 pounds. <laughs> right. It was all pounds back then or in the UK. Basically what he ended up doing was he ended up dividing these groups in the or these 30 people into three teams of 10. The first task on the reality show and he was like he had them like divide up and he had like cameraman and everything like as if this was an actual reality tv show mm-hmm. his first task for the groups or the tribes or whatever you want to call them was to find a place to live so he dropped them in london like okay now you guys go figure out somewhere to live as a group basically two of the teams after two days just gave up and quit <laughs> but one team actually did find a place to live the problem is the place to live was at the cameraman's apartment <laughs> are you shitting me so this group they were like okay this is this is 10 people mind you they got together and they're like well we're gonna go live at the cameraman's apartment somebody they talk a cameraman who wasn't part of their group was just part of this guy nick russian's production team supposedly so they this is, so obviously this guy had absolutely nothing set up <laughs> no he had nothing nothing planned. he just oh had a couple of gosh. cameramen apparently so they end up staying at the cameraman's apartment <laughs> and they stayed there for a while and they were trying to put together a plan now what's ridiculous is nick russian was staying with them in the apartment <laughs> So then they're they're sitting around and they're trying to come up with an idea to make a million dollars. Their idea was to create another reality TV show about them being on the reality TV show. <laughs> 
So all the people that are in this little ass apartment, they all ten, get together. Ten people, a cameraman, and Nick Russian. So twelve total people. So they're they're in this room. They're all trying to devise a plan to make another TV reality show. TV show. Oh and they even went so far as to set up like those like fake confession booths. Like imagine this room. They had, like a camera set up where they were gonna do like one on one interviews with the camera because they figured <laughs> that's what you do in a reality TV show. Right. So they even had that all set up and everything. Unreal. So they were they were committed. They were going for it basically. They're were like, we're gonna win this hundred thousand dollars or those hundred thousand pounds. And it didn't get into details as if like one person was actually gonna walk away with all the money or if they're gonna divide it up or whatever. But that was their plan. Was they were gonna create a separate reality TV show about being on this reality TV show. So it didn't take long for the cameraman to get tired of these people in his apartment. Yeah, no shit. So his solution to the problem was to go to a newspaper and he was like, hey, you know, I'm part of the shady reality TV show. I don't think this is legit. I don't think this Nick Russian guy legit he told the contestants like about what he was doing so they ended up locking nick russian in the apartment by himself while they waited for the uh the news to show up to try to find out if it was actually a legitimate thing or not <laughs> and pretty much after that it fell apart like after they found out it was fake caught. after they found out it was fake the group decided to, to not go forward with the production Obviously, of the show right of the new reality tv <laughs> and, show uh pretty soon uh nick russian was under the spotlight as who the fuck is this guy now it That's turns funny. out his real name was keith anthony gillard and while he's obviously a con artist he never got charged with anything because he never actually took money from anybody ah. and he never actually caused harm to them even though they quit their jobs and everything they determined that he didn't actually oh cause harm God. so he never got charged with anything but could you imagine if you're sitting there you're trying to come up with a fake name your name is keith anthony gillard you're trying to come up with a fake name you land on nick russian <laughs> and nick is spelled n-i-k not n-i-c-k and you literally couldn't come up with anything other than russian <laughs> nick russian <laughs> so that's that story i don't know that's if he's hilarious maybe he's the smartest criminal of all time he's probably one of the dumber ones honestly. yeah he's probably one of the dumber ones but at least he he, he didn't get in trouble yeah but he didn't make any money i guess he didn't get in trouble i, I guess he broke even my next couple are a little bit smarter at least but that's fun that's nick russian that's a good one good good try nick good try nick russian anyways what do you got sir so the one i have uh you have the same one do you, do you, should we both go over it, or do you, do you just want me to do it? Which one do you got? Gerald Blanchard. Yeah, we should probably both go over this, but I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you. All right, I'll it. start it off. So, now, there's a lot to this guy. He did a lot of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did a lot of crime in his day, but we're yeah. going gonna to stick to just one thing here. Which I think this is a brilliant idea. Like, you don't see criminals doing what he does. This is unreal. So, in November of 2007, a Canadian, Gerald Blanchard, was facing 164 years in prison for 16 charges. Over 16 charges of fraud and robbery and just a bunch of shit. I yeah. mean, he, he did a lot of shit in his day. Three continents. He, his crime span yeah. three continents. All over the place. So, But he had a trick up his sleeve, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> so he asked prosecutors for a deal to get a lesser sentence. Now, he used this this deal involved information regarding the star of Empress Cece. Yes. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a, a pearl and diamond-like ornament that was worn by Elizabeth, Elizabeth of Bavaria in the 19th century. Yep. So this is a very... This is a priceless item, basically. Now, the the star uh, had been on display in the uh, Schönbrunn Palace in Austria. 
Yes. And Blanchard said that the one that was on display was actually a replica of the one that he bought in the gift shop. That The one that he bought in the gift shop prior to stealing the actual one. Wait, repeat that. So when he was with the police, when yeah. he was making his deal, he was telling them that the one that was in there was a fake. It wasn't real. And obviously they knew it was stolen, but it had been stolen for nine years because he, he stole it in 1998. Yeah. So So basically, can I, can I, can I frame that up a little bit? Sure. Basically what happened was he stole it and replaced it with a replica that he purchased prior Yes. And it took them two weeks for them to realize it took that. Them, for, for one, it took them two weeks just to even know that it, the, the real one was stolen. Yeah. And it, that it, it was replaced with a replica, basically. Yeah, and it sounds like they just kept the replica they in just, there the so they, entire they, time. They told the public that, that that's what it was. They never they never disclosed the fact that it was stolen? I don't think so, no. Okay. Because, yeah, they never released a lot of information about the investigation into the stolen item. Sure. So, so he offered the real item for a reduced sentence, and he basically got his sentence reduced to eight years and he didn't he he did not serve the eight years he served two years of that and he got got paroled yep and the accomplices of the people that he worked with and the people that he committed all the other past crimes with the 16 you know charges of fraud and robbery none of them were ever convicted were ever convicted were never even disclosed no one knows who they were and he kept this jewel in a basement of like his mother's house it was his grandmother's grandmother's house it was his grandma's house which is unreal he, he basically kept this thing as insurance it's so smart but what's funny too is he parachuted onto the thing like over the cover in nightfall he parachuted onto this palace yep he cut the alarms he he, cut the alarms got in had either i think he had he i think he bought the the replica prior yes he did made the quick swap unreal and then it took him two weeks to find out that they that he even did it (laughs) and the only thing that they found was they found his parachute but they they didn't have a person right he got caught nine years later i think it was brilliant that he that he kept it the whole time he knew he wasn't gonna sell it he wouldn't be able to sell it it, you can't you can't fence something like that yeah definitely but it sounds like he did that specifically for the insurance yeah, 100%. It was, was an insurance policy. Yeah, that's so smart. Which Unreal. is ridiculous. And he served two years, and he's now a security <laughs> consultant is what he's doing now. Unreal. He's, he's He made out like a bitch. He's only like man. 48 or 49 these days. So Two years, and he, he, he got away with all the other crimes, too, that he did. It's International unreal. criminal, and he got two years. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty smart. All because he had that insurance policy pocketed. To me, that's one of the smartest criminals that got caught ever. Unreal. You good? Yep, I'm good. Yeah, I, I was reading that, and there a movie been made off this guy yet there probably could be easily and we're talking about some that probably aren't as well known this week like we could have talked about the catch me if you can guy or yeah there were like there were there were like four or five that yeah. like ted kaczynski ted kaczynski you talk about because he's yeah. brilliant even ted bundy yeah was a highly intelligent individual and, and the um the investor guy what the hell is his name bernie madoff yeah bernie madoff. i thought about i was actually preparing to talk about him but i figured i had enough with what i had sure but even that one was ridiculous because it's it's complicated too There's it's very a lot, complicated. lot going on with that one but what's funny about the bernie madoff link real quick i'm going to talk about it real quick it's basically sure. it was a ponzi scheme so yep. what he was doing was he created a scheme where he could fabricate investment returns as as long as not everybody called in their investments at the same time. Right. And he financed it by getting more and more people just to give him his money, basically. And as long as not enough people called in their returns, he could just take the money that he got and then somebody yep. called it in, just give it to somebody else, basically, <laughs> with this return or that return number, something that's higher than what the stock market was showing, basically. It's higher than what any investment advisor was returning. And as long as nobody really looked at what he was doing, it didn't become a thing. It, it, it's so crazy. Like, you, you have to have the balls to do that, man. Yeah. At, at some point, there's, there's an end road. 
there's an end game. Man. And usually the end road is you just take off and run and you try to yeah. start a new life, basically. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't take that route. He had plenty of opportunities to do that. Yeah, but. definitely. He he schemed, like, billions from people, man. And, like, what was uh, it, like 30 to $40 billion? Yes. Dollars? It was probably, I think it was closer to 60 Was and it? Not everybody, unreal. because they, the insurance, you can get some of that money back, but not everybody got Some yeah, people got nothing back. 100%, no. But what's funny about that is the New York Mets owner was involved in that scheme back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And you know the Bobby Bonilla day? Yeah. Uh, you, y- yeah. Basically, the Mets were going to release Bobby Bonilla, their outfielder, who was at one point one of the highest paid players in the league. They owed him like $6 million. But Bernie, or this this owner had his money tied up in the Bernie Madoff thing. And they were going to release him. But in that MLB, your contract is guaranteed. Mm. So Bobby Bonilla was owed $6 million. The guy was like, well, I can give you $16 million, or I can give you your $6 million now. Or I can give you a million dollars every year for like 25 years starting in 2010 or whatever. Wow. And Bobby Bonilla was like, fuck yeah, Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. So every day on July 1st, he gets a yeah. check for like $1.192 million or something. I think I saw your, uh, I think I saw your, uh, post on Facebook yeah. on that day. But he gets a check and he's going to get that check until 2035 <laughs> once a year, every year, that million dollar check. Unreal. All because he would rather have his money with Bernie Madoff than give Bobby Bonilla the $6 million that he deserved because he figured right. that $6 million starting in 2010 or 2015 or whenever it is, is going to be worth a lot more than what I'm right. paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> right. That didn't go well. <laughs> Definitely not. Bobby Bonilla's happy about it. Anyways. Right. That's hilarious. Yeah, so that's basically Gerald Blanchard. Yeah. Smart guy. And like we said, there's a lot of other guys we could talk about, but again, that's one of the smartest stories I could I could find. So right. I got one more that I want to get into. And this one also goes back to New York sports. I'm gonna talk about have you ever heard of John Spano? Mm-mm. John Spano, the man who conned his way into briefly owning the New York Islanders in nineteen ninety six. Now I don't know if you know anything about the NHL at all. So the NHL is a national hockey league. It it makes money. And it's not like obviously the NFL is number one. Yeah. But the NHL like it's it makes a lot of money and the attendance for an average NHL game is on par with the NBA. Yeah, they're they're um, they draw crowds, man. Like they draw crowds. They have a big fan base. They draw crowds. They make a lot of money, and the franchises aren't quite as valuable. Like most of the franchises are nine figures as opposed to over a billion dollars, but still, they're worth a lot. And it's a big deal. Like the NHL, they play the same number of games as the NBA does. Mm. They're actually expanding. They've expanded. Really? They play eighty some games. They play eighty two. That's dude. That seems like a lot. To it's play a lot. on the ice like that. Yeah. My word. It is a lot. They I'm play. Sorry. They play like eighty-two games, and they got a similar playoff system to the NBA. So it's very comparable, and even the attendance numbers are like within like a hundred per game or a couple hundred per game hmm. of an NBA game. So it's on par with that. And players get paid on par. Like any, you wouldn't believe what an NHL player makes. They make a whole lot more than football players make. Dang. But anyways, so the New York Islanders are a team in New York. Now the Rangers are the big team in New York. The Islanders are kind of like the little brother. They also got the New Jersey Devils right there. So you got three teams, three of the 30 back then. I don't know if they had 30, but there was 30 for a while. And NHL's up to 32 now. They're the only league that's expanding. They had a team in Las Vegas a couple of years ago, and they added a team in Seattle this year. Mm. But the Islanders are kind of like the little brother of New York sports, especially for hockey. They're not as popular. They're kind of a, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. But there are, it's got its passionate fans. And in 1996, their older owner was getting ready to sell the team because you know how an old owner sells off a team before he dies a lot. Sure. And the fans were like, well, you know, this is kind of bad for the Islanders. There's rumors of relocation. Mm. Yada, yada, yada. He didn't know what was going to happen with the franchise, and the franchise hadn't been doing really well. John Spano came in as a savior. He was a New York-born, b- 
businessman who promised to buy the team, keep him in New York, and promised all these things that you know how a new owner comes in and they want to revitalize the revitalize the franchise and all mm-hmm. that shit. So John Spano <laughs> was basically just some guy. <laughs> His credentials was he was a 1986 graduate of Duquesne University, and he was the founder of the Bison Group, which leased airplanes. And this was a Dallas-based company. Basically, after founding the Bison Group, he moved to Dallas and somehow like ingratiated himself in like Dallas high society enough to the point where these rich guys kind of thought that he was also a rich guy. Now his talent was fabricating documents. He could fabricate any document to make it look like he had more money than he had, and he really didn't have anything because if you look at his career. His only career was holding sales jobs in Pittsburgh prior to finding founding this bison group. Yeah, so definitely just an average Joe dude. Basically. <laughs> but, you know, if you're leasing aircraft, it's easy to make it look like yeah. maybe you got some extra money coming in. So after a while, he tried to buy a 50% share of the Dallas Stars, which is another hockey team. And that fell apart because he basically was kind of an asshole during the negotiations. And he was making demands that didn't really make any sense. Hmm. But he came onto the scene in New York in 1996 as a potential buyer for the New York Islanders. So people are like, well, where did you get your wealth, dude? We don't really know much about this bison group. And he claimed that it was like a multinational company with 6,000 employees and (laughs) all these things. There really wasn't much to back it up, but you could fabricate documents to make it look like this. He even, and this is the big thing for him, is he managed to leverage his influence and his document forging ability into an $80 million bank loan. Are you shitting me? So that brought money in to actually make it look legitimate. Yeah, okay. But he had enough rich people that thought he was rich. He talked about his Cayman Island bank accounts. He talked about his rich grandfather that willed him a whole lot of money by which he started all his companies and yada, yada, yada. Sure. So fans got excited about this rich guy who was worth, and he claimed he was worth $230 million. And he had a lot of fabricated documents to show for this. <laughs> so fans were excited. They're like, man, this John Spano guy's going to save the Islanders. And he entered negotiations. And he actually was the controlling owner for four months. <laughs> but he didn't become the official owner immediately. It took four months for that to get processed. Right. But he was controlling the team. He, he owned the team for four months on nothing. <laughs> this is unfathomable. It's How ridiculous. do you get away with this shit? So <laughs> this is really ridiculous. He was fabricating documents the entire time. He had to send a fax from a Dallas bank for something. And instead of going to the bank and talking his way into letting them use this, letting him use their fax machine, he sent it from his house. <laughs> and that's what, that's that was what, a domino okay. that knocked the entire thing uh, down. What an idiot. And then some New York based newspaper started diving into his financial records and were like, there's nothing here. And then the whole thing fell. The whole <laughs> thing just started crashing just down shortly thereafter. But could you imagine just conning? your way into owning a professional franchise it, it, it it's incredible how he just conned his way just to having all this money that doesn't exist that doesn't exist like the 80 million dollars he got yeah. the bank loan unreal and i was thinking about like how hard would that be like i couldn't do it because i can't lie but right that, but somebody with just a little bit of skill yeah i mean it, it, his talent was forging documents he's able to make anything look official unreal. and after that he ended up becoming the owner of the new york <laughs> islanders <laughs> some people just have Insane ambitions, man. And Unreal. He saw some prison time, but he, a crime like that, a white collar, and this was a white collar crime. If there's ever yeah, been a white collar crime, but he didn't. He saw some prison time, but he didn't like. He didn't serve a whole lot. Right. So I was looking at his record afterwards, and he got he got busted for mail fraud in Ohio after this. Oh my god! And then he's now back in prison because he got busted in another scheme <laughs> back in 2015 or something. Yeah, you, so. you see that quite often with a lot of these scammers, and then they 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 get they might get away with something or do a short sentence, and they get right back into it if you ever listen to the podcast swindled yes i've listened to that that's a good uh it's a good podcast they have some really good uh white collar yeah 
crime scam stories on there. And real quick, before I sign off on that story, I want to cite my source for all this. And the first two were from uh, a website called themodernrogue.com. Nice. And then my uh, research on Blanchard was from the top tens.com or That's something. That's where mine was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so do you have any more? Yeah, I have one more. My next one is from uh, uh, TexasCoopPower.com. Okay. Uh, you ever heard of J.D. McMahon? McMahon or McMahon? McMahon. Well, McMahon, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not like Vince McMahon. Or oh, oh, okay. No. So, so they're not related? No, they're not related. Okay. So, 1919, Wichita Falls, Texas. Started to get big with the discovery of black gold, which is oil. Yes. And residents were basically just coming mil- millionaires, like, hand over fist. Sure. So many, And there's so many investment opportunities in the area. Uh, people were just making ridiculous quick deals, like, on the street corners. Investments, yeah. trying to get land. Like, they were plopping up tents and making them oil headquarters of companies. Like, that's how bad people wanted to get to this place and, you know, get land and... What's that movie called? There Will Be Blood, isn't that the movie? Yeah, that's a really good movie, Daniel Day-Lewis. But basically, there was a... um, uh, Wichita Falls was in dire need of office space and whatnot, so a Philadelphia oil promoter by the name of J.D. McMahon, he came in to save the day and he found a little spot and he uh he had blueprints and everything ready in hand he just needed some investors sure so basically he got these people to buy two hundred thousand dollars in stock to investors and they basically did it right away without asking many questions because people wanted to make money and they wanted to get into this area yeah so they basically with the you know with the rush of the day and everything that was going on they signed off on the deal. Which, so, that was a big thing back then. Yeah, that was huge. So, uh, McMahon promised a multi-story office building across the street from the St. James Hotel, which the St. James Hotel was booming, and they were getting a lot of business. But what J.D. didn't mention to the investors, that the scale of his blueprints of the skyscraper that was supposed to be there was actually in inches rather than feet. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, uh, the building, uh, ended up being more like closet size. It was 11 by 19 feet and just 40 feet tall and 118 square feet per floor. And the stairwells made up 25% of all the interior. <laughs> the place was so small and it's called the littlest skyscraper in the world. You ever hear of this place? No, I haven't heard of this. It's unreal, man. And by the time it was built and these investors, they just, they never really cared about it being built. They never went by and looked at the construction or anything like that. So they get there and they see this little ass building that can't do anything with it. So damn small. And McMahon was gone. He was never caught. They, the investors tried tracking him down, never caught him. He got away with, with the money. <laughs> this was, this was 1919, 1919. Yeah. That was a big problem in, in those days because there was no way to cross-reference any of this. Like how, who would you, some guy shows up on your doorstep or wherever he meets you <laughs> trying to sell something. There's no way to reference that. That's how like even H.H. Holmes, that's how he yeah built up his fortune basically was that type of shenaniganry. Right. And obviously back then, especially even going to Texas, that's, that's a drive or Just a train a, ride. You know, how do you buy all that stock and then you don't look at the blueprints? <laughs> well, it's very easy to make it's that. It's unreal. It's though. very easy to make it look like. It's yeah, for sure. Than it is. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that was a funny story. It's hilarious, and there were no rules back then. I mean, and you, and you can look. 
look up pictures of the the little skyscraper in the world. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and he technically fulfilled his obligation. I mean, oh yeah, and, it, and, it, and that's they said, the thing too. And they said like they built it to the T of yeah. the blueprints, like perfectly. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. And it goes to show why there's so many business regulations these days. Yeah, no it's shit. all because of shit like this. Right. Seriously. No but anyways, unreal. I'm still trying to process that story. <laughs> but yeah, that's eleven by nineteen. <laughs> That I, I mean, it, it's like my kitchen. Like that's like it's so small. We could do we could do a whole episode or a whole podcast on cons between eighteen seventy five and nineteen and the crash of the stock market. Yeah, for Seriously. sure. Seriously, so that's Unreal. hilarious. I don't know what to say. You got any more? I got nothing else. That's all I got for this episode. That's basically all I got. I, I can I can go over a couple of things I I found in my research that I thought was kind of funny. Sure, It'd be really fast. Um, I came across some lists from the Odyssey.com of some pretty ridiculous, stupid crimes that people have done. Sure, and I I thought that these were pretty funny. So here's the first one. Uh, there was a long list, but I picked three of them that I thought were really funny. A man pawns jewelry stolen at the store, managed by the woman he robbed. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a good idea. So he breaks into this, this woman's house, steals her jewelry, goes to a jewelry store to pawn it off, and it's the the woman that owned the house, owns the jewelry store, and yeah, that's awkward. So he probably didn't know that he was doing that. No, he didn't, but it's really that's funny. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> Second one. A man's flatulence gets him charged with battery. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, a West Virginia man charged the battery for farting on a cop as if d- getting a DUI wasn't enough. A man arrested for driving under the influence got a lot more trouble at the police station. Police stopped Jose Cruz on Route 60 South Charleston Monday night after driving with headlights off and he failed sobriety test. Police were trying to get fingerprints. Police say Cruz moved closer to the officer and passed gas on him. The investigator officer remarked the criminal complaint and that, that the order was very strong. And he literally got charged more because... Because, like, <laughs> I, I I thought that was funny. Yeah. So you you know if you you ever get in, you ever get stopped by the cops and you're getting arrested, just don't fart, just don't fart on them. And just stay uh, away from that fast food after you're drinking. Yeah. And this is the last one. I, th- you might find this one funny. A son robs his mom because he thought he could only be charged with burglary if done at night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You'll find a lot of instances of that where people have no idea what's going on. (laughs) A Willoughby man who believed he could only be charged with burglary at night uh, pleaded guilty. June 26th, James Blinkenship, 22, pleaded guilty, reduced charge of breaking and entering the mother's home against her will. According to police, Blinkenship mother found her son attempting to break into her home, the first floor window, earlier this month. The young man had not been welcomed into the mother's home approximately three months, nor did he have any possessions at the premise. So he literally broke in during the day, broad daylight. I mean, at night. Yeah. No, he broke in during the day. During the day because he didn't Because think, yeah. he didn't want to do it at night because apparently somehow in his mind he thought you can only get charged with burglary at night. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where you come up with that. I, I, I don't I don't even know where, where you get that idea. I weep for society. I don't know what to say. Unreal. But that's that's all. That's all you got. That's all you got. You can all cut right. all those out if you want. No, those are going to stay. <laughs> that's probably the best part of the episode. <laughs> Anyways, you got anything more for this episode today? That's all I got, basically. We did pretty well on the social media. We got, we're up to 51 likes. That's really good. 54 yeah. followers. Now, there are people that are following that aren't liking. That's all right. I think there's people that are probably unlike the page without unfollowing the page. <laughs> 
And then we've got, we had 29 unique listeners this week. Nice. Which, that's close to a record, I think. That's, that's pretty awesome. good. Hell yeah. And obviously the Amazon Music deal went through. And we picked up, because we wanted to break 2,000 last week. Well, we broke, we had like 100 hits this week. Oh, shit. Although, I think 46 of those was me downloading all the episodes on Amazon. <laughs> because that's my preferred method of music, or podcast, basically. Sure. So I downloaded all the episodes. Apparently that counts as a listen in our database for some reason. <laughs> so most of that was me, but. That's all right. It's still a good week. We're up to like 2076 or something or 2076 that's awesome listens. that's pretty good hell yeah we're we're, we're getting up we're in the getting world. there <laughs> and amazon emailed us so i think that's pretty significant please tweet us at 30 in the twitter's getting no action we might as well just not even do that anymore <laughs> twitter twitter's kind of dumb anyway yeah i agree <laughs> with that honestly anyways you got anything else for this episode today Ben? that's it for me do, do we have the topics all right so we're gonna pick the topic for next week pat i think it's your turn to pick oh so. god are we ready we, we gotta write some more yeah, we're going to have to come up with some more topics. And if you guys have any topics you'd like to submit to the show, please tweet us at 30 inla or post on Facebook if you got a topic that you'd like us to check out. Now, before I read this, my father wanted to submit a topic, but he didn't want us to read it prior. Sure. He wanted to just drop it right into the bag, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that because I don't <laughs> trust him. So here we go. This is a good topic. Craziest hoaxes. Craziest hoaxes. So this kind of ties into this episode. Craziest hoaxes is going to be our topic for episode number 47 of 4.30 in the morning. All right. How do you feel about that topic? I think that'd be good. That'd be fun. So that's going to be an interesting one. Craziest hoaxes. Or just, you know, hoaxes in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. We kind of talked about a couple on this yeah, episode pretty sure. much. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Please tweet us at 30 in the. Please check out our Facebook page. Our Facebook, Xbox Live. Follow us. Like us. We make posts. Normally, you know, almost every day we make a post on Facebook. We do. We do. We've been getting pretty good at it. And we've had a few people sharing our posts. Yeah, definitely. Because we're getting a lot of views. I was trying to figure out how we're getting so many views when we don't have a lot of likes. But I think people have been <laughs> sharing the posts. So. Definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, um, uh, if you guys didn't listen to our last episode, Pat and I came out with a list of our favorite episodes for new listeners. If you are a new listener, check out that list. We also posted that list to our Facebook page. Yep. And there is no need to listen to anything in order. You can look through the... Um, all the episodes, the different topics, and you know, check out what you're interested in. Feel free to read the descriptions. We put a lot of effort into those descriptions every week. Pat so. puts a lot of into those descriptions. Feel free to read them, check them out. If you guys have any topics you want us to listen to, obviously reach out, let us know. And if you want to join the team here at 4:30 in the morning, we're looking for help with social media. <laughs> we got a couple people helping us out a little bit, Definitely. but we're always looking for more. So if you want to help us out, if you're a marketing whiz, if you're a social media whiz, feel free to reach out, and we can we can make something happen. So thank you very much, guys. Peace. I went and got my hair cut today. There you so go. So that's about, it's been about three to four months overdue. On no the shit. Yeah, it was really long. I got my hair cut yesterday, so. And uh, my hairline continues to recede. <laughs> you know, a razor is the best thing I ever did. Yeah. You'd probably look good with it, honestly. It, it, It'd yeah, probably be a good look. But I don't know because my head is so jacked up. Like, I've been hitting the head so much that I think it's just. It's not my head's not very symmetrical. I don't think it'll look good bald. Mine's like, not mine's not symmetrical. Like you have a good shaped head. I don't know. Like it's it's like it's pretty shape it's pretty good shaped, you know what I mean? I guess. Mine, I don't know, man. We'll You're see. never gonna know until you try. Yeah, well I still have some left, so I'm gonna keep it while I have it. Okay. But pretty soon it's gonna get to the point where alright. See I should have been doing mine at like seventeen. I held on to mine for way too long, <laughs> but and partly of soft tissue. Hmm. Skills and part. Scales and partial. Tr- 
I don't know what I meant to say. I wrote skills down. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to transcribe an entire article at 11 o'clock at night. Scales and partial skeletons of Brazil. Uh, she was actually Empress Elizabeth of Austria, but she was the Empress of Bavaria. Okay. Because you know how those, they kind of intermarry back, back then in the 1800s. She was the Empress of Austria. Of Austria. I don't know where the hell she came from. Cot. 